0: Welcome. This is the Long of the Boot podcast, the podcast coming to you from the heel of the boot of Southwest Louisiana. And I'm your host, G Long, across the way, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Deb. Hello. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm doing better than I was.
0: Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Real quick, we've uh, both thought we had COVID again. You know, the dreaded Omicron (laughs) version
1: whatever yeah, yeah.
0: COVID yeah. 3.0 or 4.0 no, I'm not well, even sure tested
1: and it was negative
0: so negative just
1: some sort of flu bug or something it did last the week you know what was the result of all that though besides regular lo- sick well besides <laughs> lost work time we were actually separated more this past week than we normally are
0: yeah I suppose that's true
1: because of of the time frame of each of us getting sick so yeah, but... Isn't that crazy?
0: Well, you you still are responsible, of course.
1: Oh, of course. But Wednesday and Thursday, we both just laid on the couch all day.
0: Oh, I did that as on Friday you as well. You did
1: that while I went to work on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I did sure Monday, did. Friday. He did Monday, yeah. Tuesday.
0: Yesterday, I was a little bit more on the upswing, although I did still absolutely... Still did not leave the house. No. I I got
1: to go do my lo- lovely Saturday lunch with my my girl in town.
0: I've been in pajamas since Wednesday. And, in fact, I'm still wearing pajamas.
1: Well, we both are, but we're home, and it's Sunday.
0: Yeah, I'd be wearing pajamas anyway on a Sunday, to be perfectly honest. Of course. Hey, uh, by the way, if you'd like to get in touch with Long in the Boot podcast, uh, it is longintheboot at gmail.com for you emailers out there. And if you'd like to call and leave a message or maybe get me to pick up the phone, uh, that number is 337-502-9011. Somebody did call this week, started to talk, and then hung up.
1: Yeah, they start almost said something.
0: Yeah, they they, they started to talk. It, I don't know if they wanted to leave a message and then they just panicked or what. Uh,
1: well, I think you picked up and they panicked.
0: Maybe so. Uh, I was sick. I was at home. I was yeah. like, well, yeah, all right, I can. I, I can. just
1: yelled, call back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we'll let in let the answer. And
0: unfortunately, go. they did not. Or so,
1: fortunately, depends yeah. on what message they had.
0: And this is, uh, uh, we're recording this on the 16th, I believe, which is a Sunday. So I don't know what, it's, it might go out tonight, but probably not. No, it's it not necessary. Probably go out at Wednesday on its usual time.
1: Yeah, you should keep the routine. Occasionally you, you do a little bonus and. Well,
0: and yeah, like the hurt. last time. Uh, well, and sure. again, thank you, big, big thank you to Mr. Landon Blood. Musician extraordinaire who came in yes. with all of his equipment and, and his original works and his original works and managed to produce. Uh, well, I guess I produced it, but I, <laughs> but what a what a fine fine podcast that was. And if you missed it, and you are hearing this one, well, you should go back and definitely. Yeah, listen to you that need to one. pick that up. There is a uh, three,
1: unless you don't like music.
0: Three absolutely original compositions by Mister Blood uh, that well are dynamite in my opinion.
1: They are, yes. I, I, in my opinion as well. Well,
0: there you go. Okay. And so, the two
1: expert opinions.
0: There you go. Yeah. It didn't <laughs> get better than that. <laughs> uh, so, anything going on in your life besides sickness?
1: Besides the illness? Uh, no. Getting ready to do Salem witch trials.
0: Oh, well, there you go. Some
1: McCarthyism. Get a little of that in my life.
0: Uh, that's always fun. That is fun. Oh, by the way, uh, Mom, if you're listening, uh, get well soon. There we go. Yeah the whole family's uh, the whole bad. family actually Scarlet had the
1: flu um my family yeah is in, you know everybody knows the spiel the whole the whole country's shutting down schools are closing my our grandkids it's chaos. To go dogs home. are living yeah. with cats it's, <laughs> it's absolute no, that was in, living with miss kitty and some form of un, uneasy rest
0: yes and uh so anyway uh, uh podcast uh Topic.
1: Oh, well, as, as always, we, we try to hash something out and then we come up with a theme or an idea that leads us. And this time I, I said it was like news potpourri.
0: Well, it was time. We do, we do one every now and then where we just we have uh, general ideas and we decided to do it a little bit different this time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we, it's
1: like a little competition.
0: Uh, I guess.
1: I don't know. I, actually, it's to see. I think it's, it's no be competition
0: interesting. when I'm involved. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> uh, these people
1: know better than that. So uh, normally we we read these stories to each other and and talk about it. But this week we've all saved our stories, have not talked about it. Yeah, I and, have no idea what she's brought in. So I want I've to got. apologize
0: ahead of time in case uh, it offends anyone.
1: I think it's going to be interesting because I think you, know you what and what I I I,
0: what a potty mouth she has. Huh?
1: What? I, you think I curse more than you? D- mm. Mm. It's, a, it's a push. It's a toss-up. <laughs> and you know what? Who gives a shit? <laughs> hey, okay, so I, I think it's going to be interesting there. because I think you and I will have very different stories. Well, I, hope so. I think sometimes there'll be a crossover that we'll both have saved, but for the most part, what you want to talk about, I think will be different
0: yeah sure All okay right. so, so how do you want to start you want to go first you want me to go first how do you want to do
1: or it or do we pick you know serious to time frame well past, I've got, future. i have some future stuff ooh. i have some past future stuff. news future news
0: the world was destroyed. It's the where end. we're
1: going. Yeah. Uh, well, Voltaire kind of actually thought that. That's so, one of my stories Well, because we'll, we we'll love Voltaire. Um, I've got uh, work today, you know, jobs, how jobs are changing. Oh, well, okay. Okay. And well, that's rather humorous.
0: You weren't supposed to tell me, but that's all right. Uh, I have a, a, a current events uh, story. I have something about history.
1: Mm-hmm, okay.
0: And I also have something that's, well, I guess it's sort of current events, but it's more of a sociology sort of Mm, and that's
1: the kind of stuff i usually go for
0: yeah but i tried to have a you know try to shake it up a little bit yeah exactly so i've got some stuff about the uh, archaeological discoveries of 2021 oh yeah you know actually i
1: went and looked at those too and and thought too many of them were interesting and that we wouldn't be able to narrow it
0: down well i could narrow it down to a couple that that were the most that were the most fun yeah uh, the Stonehenge one.
1: Yeah, I read that too. And Stonehenge. also
0: the non-binary Viking that they. Yes,
1: found. that they found. Yes. Uh, obviously, somebody of high stature, but had accessories for male and female, and had an extra chromosome. And
0: uh, yes, yes. And uh, then I also have a story that uh, it's about the Star Spangled Banner. It's I guess it's uh, in rotation. It's come back around again. You know, people like to get upset about oh the about Banner. one
1: of the stanzas? national
0: anthem. Yeah. That. No, no, not about the stanzas in the song, just about. Oh,
1: whether we should be doing it. Well, at it's
0: all? it's really it's 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 more a virtue signaling, but it's a uh, oh. but so I have that, okay. and so we can start anywhere. I can start with the Star Spangled Banner, well, and we sent
1: can. you there. Go
0: ahead. All right, we'll do age before beauty. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, in case you hadn't have uh, heard heard about this, there was a thing a while back when people were kneeling during the Star Spangled Banner. You may recall. Uh,
1: yeah i I sort of remember that in the long ago time brief time
0: and everybody got upset and trump you know said some things about colin kaepernick and and everybody got really upset because he was taking a knee and then other people started taking knees yeah and it was what was his message they questioned that and and how dare anybody not pay attention when the star spangled banners up and uh, is playing at a sporting event it got me to thinking well just one how long has it been being played at sporting events? Like,
1: yeah. When did that actually start as a right. routine?
0: And, uh, cause I'm going to tell you, I can remember going to large sporting events when I was younger and looking around during the star spangled banners playing and a national anthem, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And people were goofing off in the stands. They were eating popcorn and they were drinking. Not everybody stood up, but even the ones that did stand up, not all of them were like at attention. Mm-hmm. They were still talking to their friends and, and it was a kind of kind of loose. it wasn't uh, um, It wasn't formal. Well, it certainly wasn't anything that you needed to get super duper freaked out about. but <laughs> there is a gentleman by the name of John Stewart.
1: Okay, not he, our John Stewart.
0: John Stewart, the former host of The Daily Show.
1: Oh, that John Stewart.
0: That okay. John Stewart. And he has his own podcast because. Of
1: course he does.
0: Everyone has a podcast.
1: He, he has more validity than I and, do. And he said
0: something that got the people at Fox News all kinds of riled up. Oh,
1: not hard to do.
0: And there were a couple things about it that I think were worth paying attention to. First off, what got everybody at Fox News all kinds of upset? Well, take a listen.
2: Dan Jon Stewart is calling the tradition of playing the national anthem at sporting events a weird ritual. The tradition began in 1918 and has marked significant moments in history. Who could forget Whitney Houston's powerful Super Bowl performance when the nation had just entered the Persian Gulf War? The nation's anthem also unified Americans after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And it's what we turn to during our toughest moments. But Jon Stewart doesn't seem to think so.
1: You know, I've always thought about when when Kaepernick took the knee and, and the whole thing was
0: like, you got to stand for the anthem. But like, why is that that when the anthem comes on, you only have to stand if you're there. But the transitive principle
1: through the television, if it's right. through the television, you can do whatever the f- you want. If you're yeah. at the stadium, you mu- there's like a whole regimen that you have to go yeah. through.
0: Okay, so, anyway.
1: Well, I, I think the uh, introduction part, she was giving it like almost biblical
0: power. Right, yeah, biblical power. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, it, it unites the country.
1: As a country, we, we, we feel so much better when we hear it together we're, after a big, large event.
0: We're like those little uh, those little prairie dogs. <laughs> that they are all doing, heads. but when the national anthem comes on, we Everybody all pop up our up, heads yeah. and, and we're all, all united right. together. So that got the Fox News people really riled up, and they had a whole. There's a show on there the the outfield, the outland, the outraged, whatever. Uh, out, is out it something. a
1: sporting show?
0: N- no, no. It's it's a bunch of talking heads. Oh, all oh, debating a, how dare John Stewart say such a thing when he really didn't say anything. All that he he was making a jokey point hmm. that. When you watch TV at home... You
1: don't have to stand. You don't
0: have to stand, and people don't, as far as I uh, know. No,
1: I've seen... That has happened.
0: And, uh, well, anyway... That
1: does happen in some homes, G-Long.
0: So so they brought in an expert. (laughs) Okay. And they brought in an expert, and I think think her evaluation is worth listening to, because it's not often you get this kind of expertise happening. Uh, Okay. You know, on, Push the
2: button. I will. Emily, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, you were an NFL cheerleader. You've been at football stadiums. I love the anthem. It is It is so incredible, Kaylee. I'll never forget standing on the fields during those games and hearing the national anthem, and I'll especially never forget my very final game, knowing that it was my final game, and I had tears streaming down my face yeah. and listening to it. My my hand was over my heart. We were standing, and the Jets fly overhead. I mean, it is an, I'm getting chills now talking about it. It is an incredible experience experience, that moment of patriotism, that moment of unification before we tear each other to shreds in the stands and on the field. Right. But that's we are playing under one flag. And I'm surprised by his comments, too, because he played soccer in college. I mean, granted, it was like junior varsity or something for a year, but he should still know that under sports, whether it's international and it's it's under the globe of, you know, you're you're a world here, same world or in the U.S., it's under that same stars and stripes. So I think it's an unfortunate but unsurprising. attitude about it, but also contrary what he just sort of, I think, um, insinuated there when you're at home, it's different when you're at the stadium. I'm a patriot every day, no matter where I am, and I stand for my national anthem.
0: So that wow. was a
2: lot.
1: Um,
0: so she is an expert.
1: She is. An, uh, of she is a cheerleader. She, you know what? She's an American. So we're all experts on the national anthem and how it makes us feel. I almost imagine from her description that the next time we have a riot or some kind of dissension in a city, if they just blare the national anthem, everybody will stop. Exactly. And come together as a, as an American. Right.
0: Because that's, you know, that's, that's the actually one of the of best the ways to stop a terrorist is just simply start the National Anthem and they will lay down their guns. And
1: an alien. I saw Mars attacks. I know yes. what happens. And, uh you just need a yodeler.
0: But, but you notice she said when the National Anthem comes on and it's on TV, she stands she up.
1: She stands. Well, you, uh, Glenn... <laughs> there are families that do that.
0: Okay. Just
1: because you don't know them does not mean that there are not families out there that uh, And do then
0: that. she made the little We slam. need to take a poll. I mean, he played soccer oh, Granted, it was junior college, but Mock that poor little girl. I will mock She's that an American and mock, she had mock, she had mock. a job. But anyway, so that got me thinking about well, what 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 is this? Why why first of all do we play the Star-Spangled Banner at at sporting events? And uh, cuz they said it goes all the way back to 1918. Well, that's kind of true. Okay. Uh, basically, in 1918, there was a baseball game happening. Uh, at the same time the baseball game was happening, there was a minor thing called World War One happening in Europe, and Americans were there. And So locals were very upset that there was even a baseball game happening because they wondered why these guys were on the baseball field instead of the battlefield. not a battlefield, yes. So anyway, it's the Boston Red Sox, 1918, and the smallest crowd ever for a World Series at this time.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems reasonable.
0: Anyway, so they were doing the seventh inning stretch, and they used to call it as a joke the seventh inning yawn. Everybody would get up, and just stretch, and you know, kind of loosen up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's been a long. It's been, a, it's,
1: it's been a, they're stoven up because
0: we know how exciting baseball <laughs> yes. can be for seven innings. And hard uh,
1: benches, your hemorrhoids are acting up.
0: Anyway, so as they stood up, the band that was there just started playing the Star Spangled Banner. wasn't like planned. It just sort of happened.
1: Okay, so it spontaneously
0: uh, happened, and, and e- everybody turned quickly and faced the band that was playing the music. And there was a guy who was a U.S. Navy veteran, apparently named Jack Thomas, who a lot of people knew for some reason. Anyway, he uh, began staring at the flag that was uh, flying in uh, right field. The pole, by the way, was actually in right field. You had to watch <laughs> out for the flagpole when you were fielding. Anyway, that makes
1: the game more interesting. <laughs> so
0: people started singing with it. I'm sure it sounded great. Uh, but anyway, so everybody started cheering and th- you know, thunderous yeah, applause. Yeah, so when there it was, was a
1: moment of right. unity.
0: Well, the idea began to catch on. So the Red Sox owner opened each game from that point forward in Boston with the Star Spangled Banner. The Star Spangled Banner, by the way, is the, the words, as most people know, are actually to a kind of a drinking song, a British drinking song. And it's Francis Scott sh- Key. Shanty. Yeah, it was <laughs> called To Anacreon in Heaven. He was a Greek poet. Uh, but it's about boozing and womanizing. That's oh, OK.
1: Crazy. Well, how very American. No wonder it brings and us together. So Key, Key put the words,
0: Key put the words to that tune, tune, and that became the Star-Spangled Banner. It was actually called the Warrior Returns originally, but yeah, yeah okay. okay. Anyway, so, but in the 1950s, by the 1950s, people didn't really pay attention anymore. When the National anthem started playing, people just continued doing what they were doing. People were not standing up. They mm-hmm. were still eating, you know, they yeah. had people that would. But uh, a World War I veteran in the 1950s was very upset because he noticed that People were laughing and talking and moving around and changing yes, seats. And not
1: taking the, uh, and he the found it emotion very, with it.
0: Yeah, he found it very distasteful. And as this guy was a uh, not only a World War One veteran, he lived in Baltimore, mm-hmm. where the events in the National Anthem took place at Fort McHenry. And so he decided that something had to be done. And they began putting stories in newspapers about what you should do when the anthem is played. Like, you need to remove your hat you need to shush your children. Oh, they put up. rules to it. They kind of put rules. Uh, they weren't actual laws or anything. It was just kind of like please do this.
1: They'll they'll turn it into a cultural norm.
0: Right. And it even uh it even changed the tune so that uh when uh when they say "Oh say does the Star-Spangled Banner yet wave," everybody gets really loud. Oh, cuz Orioles. Get it? Uh,
1: <laughs> so this is all tied to sports.
0: Okay. Yes. And uh but it it wasn't something that was done it was kind of just spontaneous. It didn't it wasn't planned. Well, doesn't uh,
1: that make it more
0: valid? Well, it does, except <laughs> then we came to the modern times with Colin Kaepernick and it created all kinds of problems. Remember, was it Drew Brees said that uh, you shouldn't be disrespectful to the American flag and was immediately called a racist Yeah. because yeah. they were dealing with Colin Kaepernick, Donald Trump said i'd fire what do you say i'd fire that son of a bitch (laughs) i mean (laughs) anyway so so people were getting pretty upset about it but it's not something that needs to be done on the news
1: oh i see this is an entertainment story or a
0: sports story well in a way it's again it's virtue signal well i think here's all these people at fox news look at this horrible liberal john stewart saying these horrible things which weren't horrible really
1: you're just upset because they're turning it into a political thing as they always do now
0: right and then that got me on one other thing which was the covering of the heart with your hand
1: yeah or you take off your hat and you cover your heart with your hat
0: right when i was a kid most people didn't do that except for the pledge of allegiance yeah and as a lot of people don't know the Pledge of Allegiance originally had you putting your hand up out, in the like air a like, Hitler, a, like a Nazi oh, salute, yes. but apparently that went south <laughs> after World War II. Um, but people get really, really riled up about the well, National these Anthem. Are,
1: these are our traditions as a country. We're a new country, so we don't have a lot of them. So, you well, know, just a cultural norm that they're, they're going to get rid of. It's going to be another one of those things that kind of dies out.
0: How do you think, though, that the National Anthem – beat out God bless America as the nation's well national anthem? I don't know what do you think? I, I don't know I, what I, they
1: were thinking at that time.
0: Because it's about the war of 1812 it's not even about 1776 you know yeah. it's it's the war of 1812. It, but, okay but
1: you know just like everything that was said about the Star Spangled Banner it's kind of tied to emotion and, and Definitely that becomes tied to emotion. I, I mean I always use the phrase you know part of the fiber of who we are as individuals <laughs> and as, as a country
0: well just so you know and I'll wrap it up with this. The the government did oh, step do. in. The government did step in and fix all of this back in 1942. Oh, OK. In a subsection of the National Bison Legacy Act.
1: Bison Legacy. Yes,
0: I'll say that again. Okay. The National Bison Legacy Act. Um, there were statutory notes that were added. And one of those statutory notes deals with the national anthem. Wow. And, uh, oh, by the way, the bison is uh, a historical symbol of the United States and integrally linked with the economic and spiritual lives of many Indian tribes through trade and sacred ceremonies. Okay. Um, National anthem, designation, the composition consisting of the words and music known as the Star-Spangled Banner is the National Anthem, 1942. Okay. Now, it was made the National Anthem in 1931. They're doubling down in 1942 because, you know, World War II. (laughs) Conduct during the rendition when the flag is displayed. Individuals in uniform should give the military salute on the first note of the anthem and maintain that position until the last note. If individuals in uniform are walking or making their way to another destination, they must come to a complete stop. And again, military salute in the direction of the nearest flag or the music. So it could be the speaker. So
1: either one, yeah. They do that on base, too. (laughs) All other
0: persons present should face the flag and stand at attention with their right hand over their heart. And if applicable, should remove their headdress with their right hand and hold it at the left shoulder, the hand being over the heart. And when the flag is not displayed, all present should face the music and act in the same manner as if the flag were in fact actually there. So
1: conform to the actions of everybody around you for just that period of time. <laughs> what were the consequences? Was there some sort of, uh, you know, punishment?
0: Well, no, in this It's the, just
1: social. It's just the social it pressure. Is,
0: it is in the United States code. In our code. But you can't be punished for it. There is no punishment for not doing this except in the military. Yeah. In the military, you can yeah, be cited. You can be. So. The question of does your...
1: So now it's just social punishment. That's what it is.
0: Right. We have now social punishment. If you say anything... Yeah.
1: If you go against our cultural norms... Except the ones we deem.
0: Well, Roseanne Barr, if you remember when she did the national anthem way back when and she spit yeah, at the end. Yeah, and grabbed her crotch grabbed like her crotch. she had balls. Her son said he got death threats from oh, adults. when sure. he was a child.
1: And you don't even realize that you're, yeah, you're pulling your whole family in when you so do I guess, some sort I of So I guess shaming. what I'm saying is,
0: hey, John Stewart, you should watch out, buddy. You, you upset some people at Fox News. Uh,
1: he lives in an insulated. Um, he lives in Connecticut. Uh, oh, he, left, <laughs> he left the California coast.
0: But honestly, I don't think he really said anything all that all bad? Right, all and, right. And if I'm at home watching TV, I'm still not standing up unless I'm going to, you know, do something.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm so, telling you that I believe there are patriotic families out there that that absolutely oh, stand it at I, home.
0: I absolutely believe that.
1: Okay. So I have. Are we moving on? Oh, we can I'm, if you'd like. Uh, yes, I'm moving us on.
0: Well, I was going to sing the Star-Spangled Banner real quick.
1: You could just push the Rickroll button for that. I'd I'd rather that at this point.
0: Well, you ruined my joke, but okay, that's fine. Uh,
1: oh. <laughs> I was
0: gonna tell you that I'd already recorded it. <laughs> you were gonna play it. And then well, just
1: All right. No, you're never going to let me down, baby. (laughs) Never. All right. Um, Oh, see. I am close enough to the electrical outlet. I could pull the plug on all of this. Just
0: electrocute yourself to avoid hearing me sing the Star Spangled (laughs) Banner.
1: (laughs) Some things are worth the pain. Um, (laughs) So I've been concerned, you know, the job market. They, there's a lot of discussion in the public about jobs and how many people have left their jobs Yums. and and where are these people at? Did they all die of COVID? Did they all retire? Yes. What's going on? <laughs> Who's going to fill these positions? Desperate, desperate. Well, you know, so robots. Well, yes, AI, absolutely, robots. All, so there are all sorts of things that are going to happen. You know, of course, we have a lot of people that left the job market and went into business for themselves. Um, I, I worry about the influencers and where are they going to the go. influencers,
0: oh, my God. Because where I don't they know what their, their talent
1: is, and there are a lot of them. The, the money these people make is oh, just. Oh, I
0: think I know what their talents are.
1: Well, I don't understand the whole influencing thing. I've said it before. I don't do a whole lot. I don't TikTok. I don't do any of that. But anyhow, so these people are making huge sums of money. I still think you
0: could make good money with your feet. Oh, my God. Will you you stop with that? Okay, Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: That's fine. Um, (laughs) But I haven't gotten to that point in my life where I need to do that. So I'll continue.
0: Uh, It'd be camfeet.com. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs)
1: long knot in a boot okay um so i worry about the job market and and what people are going to do and especially like if everything crashes what are all those internet people going to do you know where are they going to go where are their jobs are they going to fill i I don't know i don't know what's going to happen but so i came across the story well the uh, street
0: has plenty of room for more walkers
1: no we're not allowed to go out you got
0: you know, oh, yeah. not
1: supposed to leave. I don't know what's going to happen with the covid stuff. They, hmm. They're threatening new variants now. And, and
0: OK, so what 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 are these people to do?
1: Well, um, here is an interesting job that that a man has made a living at since uh, 2018. Actually, he's been doing this and, and making enough money to live quite well. He is a Japanese man and he is a do nothing rent a man. Thirty eight years old. And he has been making a living, usually three gigs a day, uh, since 2018. People hire him to do nothing, to just be.
0: Like, for what purpose?
1: Well, um, for, he could be there to listen to you. He could go shopping with you. He says he replies to chit-chat, but that is all. He does not make conversation with people uh, they have. They can talk to him, and uh, that's so he does it.
0: something. But it's not. He's
1: just uh, there. His services are that he is right. just there. He has more than two hundred thousand followers on huh. his Twitter. Uh, he says some people are lonesome. Some feel that it's a shame to go someplace interesting alone, so they hire me to come with them. He has heard a murder confession. Excellent. Somebody actually confessed a murder. So he's
0: doing him. something.
1: He's just being. He's just another there. human. Yeah,
0: but he's still doing something. He's providing a service, clearly. He
1: is. Well, that's the point. He makes a living providing this service. He has done over 3,000 jobs. He says, I've turned down requests to do laundry and housework and things like He does not do that. He says, <laughs> I do nothing. I don't do laundry. I don't do laundry. And apparently he doesn't really answer questions. Morimoto <laughs> uh, is 38 years old. He says, I'm not a friend or an acquaintance. I'm free of the bothersome things that accompany relationships. And this can often people's sense of loneliness
0: so a prostitute
1: (laughs) who does nothing in japan suicide rates have started increasing uh for the first time in 11 years and they and part of that they say is loneliness that that's people are just you know
0: lonely yeah so they kill themselves
1: Uh, i guess i don't know but isn't that more lonely it's an interesting uh job for the future but yeah. I guess, like you said, now uh, AI, you know, robotics, it, we can make them so real. Then people right. just—he'll
0: be uh, out of work. He'll yeah. be—he'll be put out of work by robots, just like everybody else,
1: eventually. Because really he's offering, be. because he's not offering any emotion. So think how easy a robot. Well, that's can what I that think. Of, that
0: to me, that's like like a gigolo. He's provi- an, an a gigolo emo- provides an emotional sex, gigolo, but he's an emotional gigolo. Sure. He's providing because he doesn't. But well, he, he gives you a chance to have emotion, but he doesn't have any emotion for you.
1: But that's what he's saying, that it allows people because relationships with people, you know, are often um, weighed down with
0: stuff. Baggage. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all bring baggage so, to every so relationship. He, he
1: feel this is like for some people, a sense of relief, like they can just talk to him or they can just sit huh. in silence in a coffee shop and not be alone. Okay. I personally don't mind it cuz I grew up alone. So I'm I actually get along quite well by myself.
0: As long as I have something to read. Yeah. I got to have But sometimes
1: I see I'll read people. I need my books. I'll watch people and read them. Got to have my books. Mm, okay. So I thought that was interesting because, again, I'm interested in jobs and the future and where all this is going. Yeah. Where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that. Our language is changing. Do you have something else you want to bring up before I uh, move to language? Uh,
0: I do have a, another thing, I guess. Uh Well, let's go back to the past.
1: Oh, all right.
0: And we'll talk about a little archaeological stuff.
1: You already went to the past with the Star Spangled Banner and the National Anthem.
0: Yeah, kind of. I I suppose that's true. But I've got, I went through about 40 (laughs) archaeological discoveries of 2021.
1: Yes, I These saw These all those. happened
0: within the last year, and I picked three. Okay. And I can go through them really quick.
1: All right, so that would have been a story we both would have had, because I almost did that, but I felt like I had too much already, so I stopped. Well, you
0: know I'm always going to go find a, yeah. uh, a story. And we'll start with the one that, I don't know, I find them all interesting. This would probably be the least interesting to a lot of people. But they, they found a uh, they found a slab in France quite a ways back that it was it's a 7 by 5 foot slab and it's carved with these lines all over it. And for the longest time they really didn't know what it was. What they did, it was excavated originally in 1900 where it formed one of the walls of a stone tomb that they said came from around 1600 to 1900 BC. Is
1: it like a slab on top of a on top of something? They don't know. Like it, a coffin they just found the or- chunk. Oh, you know, they just they found They think the it
0: was piece. a wall. They think it was a piece of the wall. And then
1: it has all this writing on it. Weighs
0: it weighs more than a ton. Okay. It's it's a big, massive hunk of stone. And it's been in storage for over a century. Well, they got it out to start examining it again.
1: And <laughs> they finally came across it. I'm sure that Correct. happens all the time, pull out something that...
0: The archaeologists recognize that a triangular hollow at the slab's left edge resembled the shape of the Odette River Valley where it was discovered.
1: Mm, all
0: right. A square motif also represents a prominent granite mass in the landscape that is still prominent to this day.
1: In the actual land? In the landscape. The, oh, okay.
0: Likewise, the lines on this slab, they begin to realize, match the area's river network. Oh, slightly so like moved, it was a map? It's a map. Okay. It's the oldest map that they know of in history.
1: And they carved it? Of,
0: of Europe. They oh, found okay. th- that old in China. Uh, but in Europe, this, this <laughs> we
1: never count that,
0: but this map would have been on somebody's tomb on the wall. So they believe this is what they believe that it depicts the realm of a small bronze age kingdom. And this was to show the territory of the kingdom of uh, whoever, what they, um, whoever died.
1: So it, it was almost like a, um, a list of assets.
0: Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, cause they had no idea when they first found it. And then once that, but. In 1900, they couldn't go up in the sky and look down.
1: You'd be kind of pissy if you were the guy who had to carve every time you got something new on the... uh Well,
0: well think about it. I mean, the when country. they found it, it's like, well, this is interesting. Yeah. This is a big hunk of stone with a bunch of lines We on don't it. know
1: what the hell it is. We'll put it away. And it we'll wasn't until it you could
0: go up in the air and look down and see the actual river valley yeah. and go, oh. Now I got it. <laughs> I got it. No. It wasn't
1: them. It was us. We needed to get catch up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Number two of the three. Uh, archaeologist archaeologist in Finland, good old Finland. We love the Finnish. We do. And if you're listening, Huli, hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah. Uh, Archaeologists discovered that a uh, discovered that a non-binary Iron Age warrior likely uh, occupies the grave that they found her yeah, him was- in. Uh, The remains of an ancient warrior's grave from the Iron Age in Finland have puzzled archaeologists for decades. Some have hypothesized that medieval Finland had a class of female warriors, or that this was a shared grave for both a man and a woman. Now, new testing shows
1: DNA testing that was what
0: shows that the grave dating to around 1050 AD belonged to a non-binary person who had an extra X chromosome. The deceased was buried with weapons traditionally wielded by men as well as women's jewelry, leading to speculation that this was the final resting place of a rare female warrior. But geneticist Lina Salmilla of the University of Helsinki, conducting DNA tests on a limited sample from the grave, determined with 99% certainty that the buried individual had sex chromosomal blah, 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 known as Klinefelter syndrome, yeah. uh, which is basically someone who would appear both male and female. In, yeah, in, you know,
1: in appearance.
0: They, got, they actually got a cool picture of the sword. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful I, yeah, work. it was. Uh, discovered in 1968, the grave's contents presented a mystery to archaeologists because the oval brooches and the fragments of woolen garments are typically of a woman's dress from the era. But the deceased was also buried with a sword at their side, as well as another sword uh, that was added at a later date, suggesting prolonged mourning for the death of this individual. Aw. People with Kleinfelter syndrome are typically anatomically male, but have very enlarged breasts and no body hair. Almost all are infertile. The paper's lead author said that uh, the grave belonged to a non-binary person who clearly didn't identify exclusively one way or the other due to the fact yeah, of the artifacts that are in the grave.
1: The community around them <coughs> didn't have a problem with that because they buried them. Right.
0: It says the many valuable objects buried with the person suggest that the deceased was a figure of importance and a highly respected member of the community, they were laid in the grave on a soft feather blanket with valuable furs and many valuable objects. Wow. It has been suggested in the past that the ultra-masculine environment of early medieval Scandinavia, uh, would this, this idea of a ma- man dressing as a woman or vice versa would be very shameful. However, they now believe that in early medieval Finland, there may have been individuals who did not fit into the standard binary model but were accepted into the community anyway.
1: They were they were just people.
0: Well, if he had a sword, yeah. he could fight. Yeah. So there you go. And clearly important to the people because stuff and was cared, added later. And
1: cared for, yes. Right. And, and and loved. So there you go. That was interesting.
0: And finally, Stonehenge.
1: Oh, this yes. Uh
0: the Stonehenge Inner Circle was originally erected 175 miles away. Yes. The inner circle in Wales. Now, what makes this fun is, in legend, Merlin stole the inner circle of Stonehenge from Ireland yes. and brought it to its resting place, where it is located now in in England, uh, on the Salisbury Plain. So
1: now we have a little support
0: in Wiltshire, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and it's because of the it's because of the actual stone, stone the itself, blue stone. Yeah,
1: the the guy that had investigated it what, in the fifties or something, and took a right. core sample, and they let him take it. Yeah, no. And now he's brought he he sent he it, it back, back and yeah.
0: But uh, the blue stones they've always wondered how they managed to get them, uh, to be moved. They didn't know where they had originally come from. They discovered uh, Wales because they found an area where the stones match the holes that were left in Wales, and it, at the time Wales was considered part of Ireland. Mm-hmm. So maybe Merlin did move those stones, yes, but anyway, those stones are still. Very large, very big. Uh, the the story of Merlin stealing the stones has always been dismissed as a myth. However, there may be some basis in truth, uh, because Southern Wales, where these stones originally sat, were moved 175 miles. And how
1: did they get them that far? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> before it was like 12 miles, and they so were so having get, a
1: magician do it. Well, there you go.
0: And they have found ancient ancient holes where the stones had been removed long, long ago.
1: So when they when they left that site, if I mean they would have started a story for it, right? To sure. explain why they're gone, or
0: yeah, the, the, exactly, it would have been important. Mm-hmm. And and what was the reason? Because uh, what's interesting is, and I think this is probably the thing that I found most fascinating about this: the ancients transported these stones, and why they did it and how they did it. Nobody still knows. But to make such a task worth the effort, the blue stones must have been considered not valuables but something even more like the very essence of who they were hmm. because these stones uh, the blue stones by the way, the composite is the reason they're still around and haven't lost a lot of detail is because the they're hard they're <laughs> yeah, extremely it's incredibly hard. incredibly
1: hard. I know I read that too
0: and uh, so Juan Mon. Is located just a stone's throw from the quarries. The Stones of Stonehenge project identified as a source of the bluestones two years ago. So it was only two years ago that they found the source of the blue stones.
1: Okay, so now they that's got how rare lot. this type yeah, of rock is. So there is going to be a lot more research that they're going to. But when Parker now. And
0: Pearson's team carbon dated the hazelnut shells believed to have been left behind by prehistoric miners after a snack, they were found to predate the monument's erection around uh, around three thousand BC by four centuries. Suggesting that people were already around these things even before they erected them, got yeah. them upright by hundreds of years.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So why would they have cared to make them upright?
0: Well, that's the question. And again, part
1: they, of a, uh, a religious ritual. Like I said,
0: every every answer they get creates, creates several more questions. questions.
1: Well, isn't that that's, that's just getting on the internet? <laughs> you read something and you got more questions.
0: And at one time, the stones when they were in Wales, there were actually about fifty of them. There's not so nearly that many. So where are the
1: other ones now? They don't know. If the material is so hard <laughs> and so difficult to...
0: Well, they to, have these circles all over the place. Yeah, in England. they, do. I mean, they uh, do. They did. So maybe, who knows? Um,
1: Magician?
0: alien. <laughs> hmm. So anyway, uh, the circle would have uh, aligned with Midsummer Solstice. So yeah.
1: really, they just—it's just another piece in the puzzle of the story of Stonehenge. Yes, that we continue to to want to know. <coughs> I saw that. That was you. Uh,
0: yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna cough. It was pretty all obvious. All right. Well, all right. Well, there you go. Uh, well,
1: okay. So speaking of history, something that we've discovered now, of course, and and we've used history to help. What are you looking at? Time. Yeah, I was. I'm looking at time too.
0: Okay. okay. Go ahead. History. Um, our
1: language. Language. Our language, something we always come back to because this is how we communicate. So it's everything.
0: Language <laughs> lessons. Yes,
1: language lessons. Uh, our language is getting more emotional and less rational, as <laughs> if I had to tell you that.
3: I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. Is, this is know. my shocked face. In the past 40 <laughs>
1: years, they, the, the intelligent people have been studying this, and we've seen a shift from language of rationality to language of emotion, right? So yep. uh, that obviously makes sense. The way they did this research was they used millions of English and Spanish language books published between 1850 and 1850. And 2019, um, analyzing those, they they saw the rise of reasoning words like determine and conclusion, and the decline of intuitive words like feel and believe around 1850, hmm. which, which makes sense, right? Yes. R- rise of, of enlightenment and rational thinking, rational thinking and thought. Yes, okay. So, but over the past 40 years, this trend has, of course, uh, reversed. That's a shame. Um, and really, let's see the nature of this reversal, reversal occurs in fiction as well as nonfiction. No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right Geelong, settle down <laughs> moreover the pattern of change in the ratio between sentiment and rationality flag words since 1850 also occurs in the new york times articles suggesting that it's not just an artifact of the book world right it's newspapers too it's part of our culture um so after 1850 Let's see uh, the pattern reversed itself starting in the 80s. So in 1980 that's where they started to see the shift, right? Going towards towards emotion. Yes. And the change accelerated in 2007. When across all languages, the frequency of fact-related words dropped while emotion words surged. The trend was paralleled by a shift from collectivism to individualistic language, mm-hmm. and that is directly correlated to the rise of social media in uh, 2007.
0: A lot of eyes, a lot more eyes, a
1: lot more eyes, because we're all telling our story, right? Yes. So. Um,
0: everybody's a snowflake
1: everybody is and we all have an opinion and we all want to share it but it's all it's all about our feelings it's not about the facts right because nobody ever tells their story and makes themselves look bad unless you're doing a cringeworthy i read an article about that this morning it's the term is cringe or cringeworthy like where you embarrass I, yeah, yourself you purpose. know on, yeah yeah and like because nobody they don't have shame anymore
0: well, we used to just call that self-deprecating.
1: Uh, well, but it's it's the things that they're not embarrassed by, things that we would have been embarrassed by in our
0: time. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I don't think anybody gets embarrassed anymore, at least not that I can tell, especially the young. Well, that's my <laughs> point. that's kind
1: of my point. It's like things that you wouldn't have, um, like having a conversation with another teacher in her classes, asking like extremely personal information And, and the, she was like, I don't understand why they think that's okay. I said, I don't know. I grew up, you didn't talk about your salary. You didn't talk about politics and religion and religion. Yeah. All of those things you kept, you didn't tell anybody who you voted for.
0: True. Yeah. I can remember, I can actually recall my, uh, parents arguing over that, you know, of who voted for who. And, uh, yeah. Well, it was uh, 72, I think. McGovern, Nixon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, 72.
1: Okay. Well, daddy always just said that it's, it's not something you actually discuss.
0: Yes. I was alive in 1972. Don't that. Okay. <laughs> we were alive I in was the sixties. Scary. Yeah. So I,
1: I think that's interesting because, uh, 80, you know, you and I were both in high school in 1980 and yeah, the, there was a, a shift there, but to see it rise from 2007 to now really shows you the power of social media. Yeah, it does. I mean, people have and, the power now and, and course, however we feel about it is how the nation feels. Well, look how
0: fast Facebook became just a political platform for people Yeah, to let everybody know how they felt about everything. About everything. Social.
1: Well, isn't that what we're kind of doing here? We're, we're In a way. Well, we're also providing, I'd like to think we're providing facts too. And yeah.
0: But uh, trying
1: to make sense of it all.
0: I'm not, I'm not, pushing a particular agenda in fact my, no. my favorite podcast is no agenda
1: exactly because no, they're not no pushing agenda. an agenda they're just telling it
0: they're just and they they prove it every day they don't take they don't take advertising so they don't have they're to. they're not
1: bowing to anybody they don't bow to hands. anybody there are no pharmaceutical representatives that's right <laughs> pressuring them it is not, brought
0: to you by Pfizer no not at all Good Lord. um well in, in in that same line talking about the language uh, my third story. All right.
1: Your third and final story.
0: <laughs> uh, well, maybe. Uh, but third third story. Uh, study out of the University of Nebraska. All right. Politics is making people ill. Making I, them I actually sick. I read that, sick. too.
1: I didn't save it, but I read it.
0: Apparently... Scrolling social media, reading websites, listening to podcasts, watching news. Uh, keep listening to podcasts. Uh, what's, what's the cost? According to research from the University of Nebraska, Lincoln political scientist Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, <laughs> Kevin Smith, all the political jockeying is harmful to our health and has been for some time, and even a change in party power Didn't help. No. I could have told him that. Yeah. In a follow up to the groundbreaking 2017 study where he first measured the effects of the political climate on Americans' physical, social, mental, and emotional health, Smith has published a new article. Uh, He repeated the same 32 question survey twice in 2020, two weeks prior to the election. Two weeks after the election. The 2020 findings mirrored the 2017 results and again found that a large proportion of American adults blame politics for causing them stress, loss of sleep, fractured relationships, and more. An estimated 40% of Americans identified politics as the most significant source of stress in their lives. Well,
1: why are politics so bad for our health?
0: Additionally, between a fifth and a third of adults that's, that would be 50 to 85 million people. Wow. Blamed politics for causing them fatigue, anger, loss of temper. Well, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Triggering compulsive behaviors. About a quarter of adults <clears throat> reported that they'd given serious consideration to moving from where they live because of politics. Wow. The results have remained stable for nearly four years, and Smith says that is cause for alarm.
1: It is, and it's gonna, it's causing me alarm right now just thinking about 2024. <laughs> he I was said, griping about that today. He said
0: the second round of surveys pretty conclusively demonstrates that the first survey was not out in left field, <laughs> that what we found in that first survey is indicative of what Americans are experiencing. It's unpleasant to think that in the span of time nothing has changed that a huge chunk of American adults perceive politics as exacting a serious toll on their physical and psychological health. But
1: we're allowing it to do
0: that. Well, of course. That's what I think. Yeah. We wondered if a change in presidents, which indeed was the case, would shift attitudes, and the answer was no. no. not at all. If anything, the costs that people perceive politics exacting on their health increased a little bit after the election. Because we changed because presidents, Because we right?
1: changed. So the stress was more because now you've got another unknown. Hang
0: on. It gets even more fun. In their questionnaire, it showed that one in 20 adults has contemplated suicide because of politics.
1: <laughs> okay. That's that's a little out there.
0: He said, oh, we wow. wondered if that was just a statistical artifact the first time we did it.
1: Yeah, but he said
0: no. However, this time we found the exact same thing. So millions of Americans have considered suicide because of politics and he says that is a serious health problem
1: that is uh, is it i i don't know if it's the politics. it's anyway, the result of the politics with there, their family and
0: friends maybe so but there's more adults who were most likely to be negatively affected by politics were young mm-hmm. more democratic leaning more interested in politics and more politically engaged so they are left-leaning young people who are invested in politics who suffer the most.
1: Because they allow it. They, because because they they're emotionally attaching yeah, themselves. They, they feel like it's important.
0: He said this is a bad recipe for democracy in the future. There's a real potential for demobilization here. If people view politics as so conflictual and potentially a threat to their own well-being, what will happen is they'll say, I don't want to be involved any longer.
1: And democracies
0: cannot survive without participation. We must have civically engaged citizens.
1: But not extremists.
0: So how can we mitigate this problem? Smith said that's a question he plans to explore further in his next series of research.
1: Well, teach civics...
0: He says the best way for people to understand how to deal with politics is to become more politically knowledgeable, not just emotionally not engaged. Yeah,
1: I, I, I thought that that was a, a and nod to teaching civics, and actually getting I'm, I'm going to
0: get to that. People who were more politically knowledgeable are far less likely to report negative outcomes, Smith said. Something I'd really like to look at would be if you took somebody who's politically interested but not knowledgeable and they were given actual education about our political system, would this reduce the negative health costs of politics? That could be the most positive outcome of a civics education that has never been considered before. Exactly. And here in Louisiana, very soon, civics will be the EOC test. That students in high school will have to pass. Well, not I see that. American as a, yeah, history. yeah,
1: that's a positive shift. It's an absolutely Why do we, uh, positive you shift. You need to know the past, but you really need to understand the. Well, there's a lot of history in, in yeah. civics absolutely. if it's taught properly.
0: But here's the problem that I have, and I love civics. I love teaching civics. The problem I have is when we teach civics and we teach how the government is supposed to work
1: yeah that's not the reality it
0: also opens the curtain to the fact that our government is horribly dysfunctional right now and that the people who are running the government are not the people serving the people (laughs) it is in fact corporations and and drug companies so so then what you're going to do
1: is just stress these young people even more
0: well, either that or they're going to become very knowledgeable of how it should work, and, and they will begin to work towards make,
1: making demands fixing that that the problem. And it has to happen at a grassroots level.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. By, knowledgeable By knowledgeable people. By knowledgeable
1: people who understand the system. And I
0: will tell you now that most people cannot pass... The, the civics portion of the American citizenship test, most yeah. Americans cannot so pass it. know the
1: rights and the privileges. And, the, and,
0: and that's a fact. It's not something I'm making up. I'm not going to go find the page, but it, yeah. it's a fact. Google it, people. Yeah, do it yourself. Just Google it. And learn how the government's supposed to work so that you can see how badly it's not working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Hmm. Anyway, that was my third and final that story. That was your
1: third and final story. I had
0: some other side stories. Uh, I,
1: well, I had but, found a, a thing that, about Voltaire being the first sci-fi writer. Go for it. Okay, so I don't, there was a lot that went with this because it led me down several paths. Who
0: is Voltaire?
1: are we gonna get into into his satire and his philosophies
0: F- French writer French writer, around the time yeah. of the revolution um there we go
1: yeah yeah late 1700s. Uh, 1750 yeah 1752 he had a short story called micro Megas. so it like you know Mike big and micro yeah. and it's a story about a brilliant giant from a distant planet and he's kind of modeled after Newton and well, he has a sidekick who's from Saturn, and he voyages across the universe with his slightly less gigantic friend, and eventually ends up on. He's Earth. merely
0: enormous. He
1: is. He <laughs> is like I, I don't remember what the the dimensions were, but on Earth, a whale to him is like a grain of sand. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so uh, through the course of his time on earth where he thinks that there's nothing, you know, because he doesn't, he can't actually see it, <laughs> but then he develops a way to be able to see these the, like a microscope that helps him. You know, he has
0: all these weird He's been things. crushing people as he walked around. Oh Yeah. It, it was
1: crazy. And um, <laughs> then he sees this little piece of wood and he picks it up and it's a boat and on the boat are a bunch of philosophers, humans, right? Yes. So they, he devises a way that he and Saturn can actually talk to, to these humans and understand what they're saying um, they got the humans got his attention by stabbing him in the finger with a uh, a wailing you know harpoon a, yeah harpoon and as soon as I read that I was like oh shit he read Swift he read Gulliver's Travels well, wait which
0: one was first
1: Gulliver's Travels because I went okay. and look that up and uh, yeah so Voltaire had been in London when Gulliver's Travels was released so they said he read that immediately
0: well he would have because it was about religion
1: yeah yeah. Well, yeah. So I think his idea of putting all these philosophers on the boat so that they yep. could tell the the giant, you know, from the other universe and his slightly smaller giant friend, <laughs> his, his Saturn friend, friend um, about their philosophies, it gets it gets kind of deep. It's a seven chapter novella, but oh. uh, basically that it's it's about you know the self importance and the giant laughs at the humans all the time because when they tell their philosophies, he's just he thinks that they're just idiots and he tears holes in them. You well, know. Yeah. Um, so uh, here I wanted to read the last the last thing because the giant then uh, when the travelers hear the theory of Aquinas. Uh, that the universe was made uniquely for mankind they fall into an enormous fit of laughter which causes the ship that the philosophers are on to fall into syrian's pocket micromegasus then is angry with the arrogance of mankind and then taking pity on the humans syrian decides to write them a book that will explain everything to them philosophically the volume of the book is presented to the French Academy of Sciences. The Academy's secretary opens the book to find the pages are blank. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Thank you, Voltaire. Because apparently Aristotle, Descartes, you know, Locke. Now, he, he did like Locke the best. They did actually, you know. Well, they yes. Yeah, of all of the philosophers that spoke, apparently, uh, Megasys, you John know. John
0: Locke and a lot of John Locke's. Work went right into the American system of government. Uh,
1: Exactly. So Micromegasus finds fault in every theory except the disciple of Locke, who exhibits philosophical modesty. Um, But yeah, they they just ripped holes in (laughs) in (laughs) all of their advanced thinking. I love Voltaire for his his social commentaries. Like, all right, you want to know about everything? Every philosophy? Here you go.
0: I want to know everything. Nothing. (laughs) You get
1: nothing. You humans are just pittance, and none of it's important. so, so don't stress about the politics. Uh, you're
0: a moat in God's eye.
1: Exactly. A, Not even a piece of sand. You're a piece of dust.
0: Yep. and uh, Probably a
1: part of Stonehenge. Could be. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, we have definitely had at least, uh, you know, that's what's the, the, all the talking about, you know, like we've we all drank water and in that water is at least one molecule of, of water that came out of a very famous person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're
1: all sharing our our pieces our fabric
0: (laughs) all right and to wrap it up a story we actually we actually ran into this right before we recorded the podcast
1: and we were i I had to tell you to stop talking about it because
0: it's hilarious hilarious all right so and so we'll do this and kind of wrap it up and today uh before we wrap it well we'll do this first um a professor in michigan uh welcoming his students to class um did it in a bit of a different way (laughs) um some students in Michigan might have thought their professor would cover the usual things when he kicked off the semester, talk about grading plagiarism, that kind of thing. But Barry Mailer gave them more. Mailer, a history professor at Ferris State University in Big Rapids, Michigan, told his students he didn't want to know anything about them. He didn't even want to know their names because you people, this is a quote, you people are just vectors of disease to me. The 74-year-old professor said it didn't matter how hard they worked in class anyway, since he randomly predetermined their
1: grades. (laughs) At a time. And if they
0: didn't like it, he said, yeah, go complain to the dean. Go ahead. I'm retiring at the end of this year, and I just don't care any longer. As of early Friday, his 14-minute profanity-laced video had been viewed more than 200,000 times. 200. Mailer has been placed on administrative leave while Aww. they investigate the incident. Just let the In man have his last semester. the university president said he was shocked and appalled. Really? By the, you know, how,
1: I'll bet he wasn't. I'll bet he
0: wasn't.
1: <laughs> I'll bet he knows him and it's he was surprised man. at all. Yes.
0: Remember, our president is older than that.
1: Uh, I'd like to hear a 14-minute uh profanity laden <laughs>
0: well we heard a speech by biden early this week that uh might as well have been profanity laden but uh all right all right
1: let that go anyway yes, no politics
0: the president of the university said it is profane offensive and disturbing <laughs> and in no way reflects the values of our university
1: was he going to come in and teach his damn class if he was going to come in and teach the, the content
0: the post and, uh, asked mailer for a response and mailer <laughs> didn't comment huh. He has taught at the university for more than twenty-seven years, according yeah, to his just page. Done. He's just um, done. He is the director of the university's Institute for the Study of Academic Racism. Oh wow! And said his academic work focuses on the relationship between science and racism.
1: I bet he was going to be equally uh, to all of equal <laughs> well,
0: to all of his students. So the professor opened his video wearing what looked like a space helmet although he told the students that it was equipped with special filters to protect him from the coronavirus.
1: Like in the South Park episode.
0: Taking it off, Mailer introduced himself as an alien, (laughs) and he was there to inform the Earthlings that the intergalactic Internet is all abuzz about this planet and suffering (laughs) is through the roof. He said, quote, I don't know whether you people have noticed, but it's dangerous to even breathe the air. Many of your experts are advising wearing masks because there's a deadly virus spreading around the planet. Your civilization is collapsing and life on your planet is going extinct.
1: Oh, wow. He's like micromegasus.
0: Addressing the upcoming semester, Mailer told his students he had no choice but to return to the classroom to teach in person, but urged his students not to join him because of his age and increased risk of suffering severe COVID symptoms. Oh,
1: well, this takes it to a different level then. All right. He said, quote, I'm old enough
0: to be your grandpa and you people are vectors of disease. (laughs) So when I look at a classroom filled with 50 students, I see 50 selfish kids who don't care whether this grandpa lives or dies <laughs>
1: wow what an honest man
0: Mayor went on to tell his students not to worry about how remote learning might affect their grade because he said you have no control over your grade it doesn't matter how hard your work later in the video he explained he based his grading system on the calvinist doctrine of predestination which <laughs> posits that god has already assigned people for salvation before birth so no action they so take in life can change that you're not he said quote None of you, not one, are good enough to earn an A in my class. So I randomly assigned grades before the first day of class. I don't want to know anything about you. I don't want to know your name. I just look at the number and I assign the grade. That's how predestination works. And don't come complaining to me. Take your complaints to God.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I've changed my mind. He he needs to just go ahead and go home.
0: I think politics may have gotten to him.
1: I think think everything (laughs) may have gotten to him. That poor baby. Oh. 27 years. He's he's done. He can't. The the incongruity of life has just affected him.
0: (laughs) Your kids, your vectors, are diseased. Me. (laughs) Okay.
1: Wow. i think that's where you wrap that up glenn long
0: i will not wrap it up i'm gonna keep all right um getting close to retirement myself i know you
1: are i know you are Are you gonna go on a tirade
0: uh no i all my tirades were when i was younger
1: yeah yeah you settled
0: i don't really go on tirades anymore
1: not exactly although although i will say scarlett and i both had a had an emotional tuesday Apparently mother and daughter were both dealing with emotions. Hers stemming from a wild Christmas party at work. Where bad
0: decisions were and made. Mine
1: from illness and, and I fell and I hurt myself. Somebody ate I my was. pizza.
0: <laughs> that was that was
1: a violation beyond all I
0: agree. Mind. I agree. You
1: don't eat somebody's you don't eat food. Somebody else's Their food. lit pizza. Their Louisiana lit pizza. That's right. When they have a hangover. The pizza was lit. And it was the only thing that who buys a staff a tiny individual pizza? Yeah, guy was an
0: idiot. Yeah. Hey, and if you're listening, guy, you're an idiot. Uh, I'm sure he's not listening, but.
1: I, I, I Yeah, I don't care. But we, don't ju- care. we are judging him.
0: I'm not scared. Because it was
1: a violation.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Right.
1: Poor Scarlet. Poor Scarlet.
0: Poor, poor Scarlet. Oh <laughs> uh, all right well that's our potpourri uh mystery yes, yes. Mystery, you clearly know i story won
1: you got. well we had several similar stories <laughs> i just didn't pick everyone but that the important thing
0: is i won that's the, the important thing
1: <laughs> and what did you win g long
0: i won this cup of Hot tea, oh, mm. a,
1: a warm beverage. That's right. Sheldon approves. <laughs> All right. right, people.
0: Um, And uh so there you go. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with the Long Boot podcast, and two we're gonna we're gonna head out today with something different. Normally, I p- I play the uh, the opening theme at the end, the opening theme that our good oh, friend yes. musician Landon Blood did. However, today we're gonna go out because if you didn't hear the last podcast, you missed some great music. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna go out today with one of his songs that deals with the very topic this whole podcast is about, which is the heel of the boot. And in particularly rose pine. Mm. Yes. So there you go. Y'all have a great week. Remember it's the uh, longin'theboot at gmail dot com three three seven five zero two nine zero one one and the website is longintheboot.com.
1: Joy is portable people bring it with you.
0: Ooh nice. Is that Voltaire? No, that's, that's me. <laughs> anyway, so uh, here you go. This is Land and Blood from the uh, Long in the Boot podcast. Just a short time ago, go give it a listen. It's it's actually it's around the thirty minute mark, I think, on the last podcast. Anyway, y'all have a great uh, week, and we'll try to get better so that next time we don't sound <laughs> quite as sick. Bye, 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 y'all. <laughs>
3: A splitting headache and I haven't slept for days I got seven types of whiskey and a woman in my brain I've been on this road so long, not sure where it goes Well, I'm down in Louisiana, somewhere in East Monroe, I know Well, I'm headed to my baby's house, been five months since we split I'm hoping she forgives me If she don't, I guess I'll live still 200 miles Till I knock right on her door I guess if she says no